Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Alyssa Grubner is a health influencer, carnivore diet advocate, and host of the very popular Carnivore Stories podcast. Alyssa struggled with her weight and her health from a very young age. By the time she reached high school, she was struggling with high blood pressure and angina. Determined to get healthy, she followed popular advice to go vegetarian and then vegan, which did not provide the results she was seeking. Even at her slimmest, Alyssa's blood pressure was sky high, and she was experiencing daily chest pains and was losing a significant amount of muscle despite lots of exercise. After she discovered a low-carbohydrate diet, she found the carnivore diet. And in just a few weeks on carnivore, her blood pressure normalized, her chest pain stopped, and she was able to regain the muscle she had lost. She now shares her message on social media and on her podcast. The Carnivore Stories podcast features weekly interviews of people from all over the world, telling their own carnivore success stories. You can follow her on Instagram at Meet Mrs. Grubbs, that's M-E-A-T-M-R-S-G-R-U-B-S, and on YouTube at Alyssa Grubner. Alyssa Grubner, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Yes, I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's such an honor to have you. You are located outside of Atlanta, Georgia, um, which I'm very jealous of right now. The weather is very cold here in Salt Lake City, and it must be much warmer where you are. Oh, yes, it is beautiful. I've got my window open and the birds are tweeting a little bit outside, so... That's great. It is nice. Uh, that sounds that sounds amazing. I do have one kind of weird, random Atlanta story. I didn't really know much about the Atlanta downtown area, and I was visiting to go see the Masters Golf Tournament, um, which is in Augusta, Georgia. And we came back to go to a baseball game in Atlanta, and we got there fairly early, and we wanted to find a parking spot somewhere near the stadium. And we pulled up to a spot, and it was like 20 bucks to park. And we were like, you are kidding me. We're not paying 20 bucks to park. What a joke. After two hours of driving around everywhere <laughs> and finding that that was by far the cheapest place to park, we came back. The price at the same lot was 50 bucks, and we were like, um, we thought the price was 20 bucks, And they were like, it was. It's not anymore. So, yeah, we definitely learned our lesson <laughs> about parking in Atlanta. That was several years ago. I'm sure it's way worse today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Parking can be absolutely hellacious. It's it's bad. <laughs> Well, here in Salt Lake City, I don't even like paying like five or 10 bucks to park anywhere. So yeah, that would, that would annoy me quite a bit, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would recommend anyone going into the city for something like that to maybe do like a park and ride. Cause those can be a lot cheaper. Yeah. They just ride to the location yeah. on Marta or something like that. Oh, that's great. Do you like living near Atlanta? It seems like there's always something fun going on or always something fun to do. Yes. Yeah. I love Atlanta and I'm actually in Stockbridge. So it's about 30 minutes South. Um, but it's, it's the perfect distance. If I want to go into the city, I can go into the city and it's, it's not a big deal. Um, now I only go, I only go into the city if there's something, you know, really that I really want to see or go do. Cause it's, it's definitely the, one of the craziest cities I've driven through, walked through. Um, but I'm I'm hoping in the future to move somewhere a little bit more rural. But the way Atlanta's set up, you can kind of move around and and still be within 30 minutes of Atlanta and and uh, get to enjoy a quieter life. Yeah, that's what really surprised me about Atlanta. It didn't feel like you were driving too far out of the city, and you kind of felt like you were still close to everything. But with how green it is and how many trees there are, it did have a bit of that rural feel in quite a short distance. I would say it's very unique. 
Yeah. Yeah. They call Atlanta the city of trees. And I never got that till I went to other cities. I'm like, yeah, there's no trees here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It definitely makes sense why it earned that name. And then the uh, zombie show was filmed there, right? Which makes perfect sense. Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff is filmed in Atlanta. And then actually my area here in Stockbridge, they, uh, filmed a part of Black Panther, I think. And, um, what is that show? Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of filming going around, uh, around here. Oh, that's awesome. Super cool. Well, you have such a wonderful story. You started an entire podcast to help tell other people's stories. We wanted to include you on our show so we could hear your story here. But like when we're in the introduction, we're saying already by the time you're entering high school, you've already had health issues. Like that's pretty crazy. And we listened to the episode on your podcast where you share your own story. And it's like, how many lives has this woman lived already? Like you've gone through quite a bit. Can you go back and tell us a little bit about your personal story through health? Yeah. So I guess I can start, um, when I was a kid, um, (laughs) if we have time for that, I, uh, so from a very young age, I knew I was overweight by the time I was five years old. And, um, looking back, I'm like, okay, well, how was I not overweight because of what I was eating? It was just all, all junk. Um, and I remember doctors telling my parents, you know, she's got to lose weight. She's got to go on a diet. And, um, my mom would try, but I was very, um, very persistent. If I wanted something like, come on, take me to McDonald's, buy me pop tarts. Um, and I think a lot of that stemmed from my parents being divorced. And so food was a, a huge comfort at a very young age. Um, and I'm surprised I didn't have diabetes growing up because I was, I was like a morbidly obese kid. Like I think in first grade as like 130 pounds. Wow. So yeah. And in comparison, I mean, I guess I, I would have been like six years old. Uh, my daughter, she's eight and I think she's 55 pounds. So, you know, that's, I was, I was a big, big girl. Um, and I, my mom lived in North Carolina. My dad lived in Georgia. I ended up moving to Georgia with my dad and he was, he was able to put me on diets, but he didn't, he didn't understand what, make someone healthy and what would make someone unhealthy, what would make someone have issues with food. You know, it was just to him, it was like, well, we're going to get this weight off of you. And he would put me on these really extreme diets and yeah, I would lose weight. But as soon as I could, um, could get to that junk food, I would get to it, hide away and gain the weight back. So I was always kind of chubby. I was never, never a healthy weight. And definitely those extreme diets gave me a terrible relationship with food. Um, then in high school, I think I finally took it upon myself and I was like, okay, well, I'm tired of being chubby. And I actually starved myself. It was like the summer going into the summer going into senior year. So I just stopped eating and all I was intaking was like soda, like diet, Dr. Pepper and just, yeah, gummy worms every now and then terrible diet. Um, and yeah, I lost a lot of weight. Um, and, but I I skipped a part. So I know in 11th grade, that's the first time I had a high blood pressure reading, uh, the doctor's office and they really just brushed it off like, Oh, well, she's nervous or 
whatever and didn't really look into it. Um, and so I'm, I'm assuming I continued to have high blood pressure here and there. Cause sometimes I go to the doctor and it was fine, but I, it was back and forth, like, Oh, it's high again. Um, and so I, after high school, I got pregnant with my daughter when I was 19. And I think at the time I got pregnant over that summer before I got pregnant, I had gained like 50 pounds. So pretty much all the weight I had lost starving myself. I gained all that back. And by the time I got pregnant with her, I think it was like 175 pounds by the end of that pregnancy. um, And I had her three days shy of turning 20 years old. I was over 260 pounds. Um, and that's because I sat on my butt and ate the entire pregnancy. And it was, it was a stressful time in life. Cause I was young. I didn't go to college. Didn't really know what my life was going to be like at that time. Thankfully I was with her father. We stayed, stayed together all of this time, but, um, but that's all I did the whole time I ate and I gained all this weight. And that's when the blood pressure got really, really bad. Um, and I had to deliver her early because of that. And that's when the chest pains started. So I was 19 years old and that was really scary, really frightening, uh, to be going through that. Um, I also had gestational diabetes while I was pregnant with her. Um, and I, I remember at the time knowing that the reason why I was so unhealthy, so overweight at this point is because the food I was eating and to hold her in my arms after I gave birth. And she's this beautiful little baby. And I knew that if I didn't do something, she's going to grow up without a mom. Like that was a very real possibility. Me being 19 years old, astronomical blood pressure and these chest pains, you know, I knew that's only, only meant one thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to die young. And my mom had had a stroke when she was forties and, and she didn't even have high blood pressure until later and into her thirties. So it was like, okay, well at this rate, I'm probably going to have a stroke or a heart attack in my twenties. Um, and all I knew to do was to start walking and, um, stop eating junk. Like I call it the common sense diet to my clients. Like, well, you know, common sense would tell you, you shouldn't drink soda. You shouldn't eat chips. You shouldn't eat cake, candy, you know, all these things that you, you actually know, you don't have to ask somebody So I cut, cut those things out. And I was able to lose weight, um, doing that. Um, I think I lost like 50 pounds in a year doing that and walking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after that point though, I was kind of, and looking back, I feel like if I would have stayed on that track, I would have slowly lost more weight. Um, but I, you know, vegan vegetarian propaganda it's everywhere Everywhere. and I remember thinking yes it's absolutely everywhere I remember thinking okay it's time to take this to the next level it's time to get serious and stop eating meat so that was my next step um and so I went through that and I did lose more weight doing that I lost weight did not necessarily gain health you know um and I and I had gotten down to 
a, a weight that I was happy with. It, w- it would have been a really good weight for me in high school. And it's like the weight I am now, like 150 pounds. So, and, and I feel like I kind of relaxed because I was like, okay, well, I, I beat this thing and I was not monitoring my blood pressure at the time. I just assumed because I had lost weight that all was good. Um, fast forward, I got pregnant with my son uh, shortly after that. Um, and the first doctor's visit, uh, prenatal doctor's visit, they're like, well, your blood pressure is high. And I was like, well, how can that be? I just, I didn't eat meat for all this time. And I spent all this time losing all this weight, you know, and you know, the blood pressure was still high. And, uh, I, uh, I went through that pregnancy thinking, okay, well, at least there'll be a healthier pregnancy. I still didn't start eating meat again. Um, and it was the, it was the worst pregnancy ever. Like I was severely depressed, um, craving meat all the time, um, for obvious reasons, because you need that to grow a healthy baby. And, um, and so I'm hoarding all of these uh, faux meat burgers. I thought tasted a lot like meat at the time. And I was even more unhealthy in that pregnancy than I was. Even though I didn't gain as much weight, I was I was less healthy than I was with the first one. And I was just like shutting down. Um and my blood pressure was super high. And even though I was on medication at the time, uh, I actually had a doctor uh, scream at me while I was pregnant because I went into a doctor's visit and my blood pressure was sky high. And he's like, are you even taking this medication? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm taking it. Uh I guess it's not working. And it was like, he didn't, he didn't believe me that I was taking this and wow. it just wasn't working. Wow. Um, yeah. So that, that was a really bad experience. Um, just going through that whole pregnancy, dealing with doctors. And after I delivered him, after I delivered my son, I thought everything would be okay. You know, I, I go back to my pre-pregnancy weight and hopefully my, my blood pressure would go down again. And it was actually the opposite. After I had him, I started working on losing the weight, losing more weight. My blood pressure just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. And it was the most baffling thing because the more weight I lost, which everyone was always telling me, if you just lose this weight, you're not going to have high blood pressure. You're not going to have issues with your heart or whatever's causing that pain in there. Um, And I, I got really thin. I think I was at the lowest, like 125 pounds. And that's wow. when I was the, my most unhealthy. Wow. And I pretty much like hit rock bottom there. And I remember it was my son, it was right after my son's one year birthday. And I had just ran like three miles that morning, you know, had my green smoothie or whatever. And at, at this point I was vegan. I had cut out all the cheese, all the eggs because the blood pressure wasn't budging. And I was like, well, I guess it's because I'm just not being strict, strict enough with this plant-based thing. Um, and I remember that night, um, I just, I just did not feel right. I think I was having really severe chest pain, like numbness going down my arm and just 
feeling terrible. So I took my blood pressure and it was something absolutely crazy. Like, even if you don't know anything about blood pressure, you would look at this number and be like, oh, that's a problem. You should probably, you know, go to the ER, not make a doctor's appointment, but go to the ER. And that's, that's what I did. I went to the ER, get to the ER. My blood pressure is even higher there, probably, you know, from being nervous, but, um, uh, I go through triage, they draw my blood and like the phlebotomist gasped, like, uh, like at the same time I did, because the color of my blood coming out into the tube was a milky mauve color. Okay. Blood is supposed to be, you know, that deep, rich, um, like Cabernet color, right? This was like if you had poured milk into grape juice, um, like something. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And I know the phlebotomist had never seen anything like that just from the way they were like, you know, it was that that stillness in the room, you know, that that when people get freaked out. Um, and they, they didn't say anything to me about this. They didn't give me like any answers, um, you know, about my blood work or anything. I pretty much just got sent home with another, um, prescription for, uh, hypertension and then, uh, iron pills, which at the time I was kind of wondering, Hmm, I wonder if my blood was that color because I'm low in iron or what I had no idea, but it really freaked me out. Um, and after that, that night and, uh, it was like, okay, well, nobody's going to help me. You know, nobody had any answers for me. I was doing everything I was supposed to do. You know, I wasn't eating meat or any eggs or butter or whatever. And I'm running and, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do taking this medication, nothing's working. And I really had it in my mind, like, I'm just going to die, you know, and, and there's, I I really felt hopeless, like I really lost hope. Um, but you know, if if it hadn't been for my kids, really, I I think I would have just given up and just, uh, stopped there. But, you know, I've got these two kids. I don't want to leave them in the world alone. They need me. They need the mom and the dad. And, um, so I, I didn't give up. Um, and I said, okay, well, I've got to figure this out. Got to figure this out myself. Um, and, but there, there was, I guess like, uh, I feel like I was in my right mind at the time. And so when I was thinking that, okay, well, I'm just going to die there was, it sounds so silly now. And I laugh about it every time I tell somebody about it. I remember saying to myself, well, if I'm going to die, I don't want people to blame this on my plant-based diet, you know? And I said, all right, well, I'm going to eat meat. So at least if I die, they're going to say, well, she died because she started eating meat again. It wasn't because she was vegan or vegetarian. And I think that saved me that that, um, ego, you know, for, for not wanting people to blame it on the way I was eating for like the three years before, I think that saved me because I went ahead and had some, some egg, some eggs. And we're feeling amazing after that. Um, and, uh, after, after that day, I think it was an egg and cheese sandwich. 
my blood pressure did go down immediately after eating that. Like it calmed my body so much that it is still high, but it wasn't that high, high that I couldn't even function. And it was like scary, like just a stroke waiting to happen. Um, from there, I did have some salmon and I, I kept meat at a minimum because I did still believe, well, this isn't good. Even though it, it made me feel better, I still didn't believe that it was something healthy to have in, in my diet. Um, and I guess like I spent like two years after that, maybe a year and a half, two years, just believing that I just need to lose more weight. So working on that, working on trying to lose more weight. And it was kind of like this, like, purgatory phase because I feel like I wasn't doing as bad as I was when I was vegan, but I wasn't doing as well as I am now. And I was having like scary episodes during that time that, you know, really just scared the crap out of me. And all through this time, I am still having elevated blood pressure and chest pains. Um, so I guess I can fast forward to me hitting another rock bottom where I, I just was not eating enough. And I was over-exercising because like I said, I thought I just need to lose more weight and I can fix these issues. And I just had this day that I was walking, doing like my third bout of cardio for the day. And I just felt like laying down in the street because I was so tired, so exhausted and just feeling like I just can't go on. And I remember that night, this is, and let me give a date. So to give you an idea of when this is in history, it, this was like February, 2020. Cause I remember it was right around the time the pandemic was, was happening. Um, and, uh, I remember going to bed that night and just asking myself, okay, body, what do you need? And the answer that came into my head was I need more food and I need rest. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'm going to listen, you know, if that's going to help me feel better. That's what we'll do. But there was like a wedding coming up and a beach vacation coming up. And I was like, well, I don't want to get fat just yet. So maybe we can slow this down. So I tried to do like a little bit of a reverse dieting thing um, for a couple months there. But of course, the wedding ended up getting canceled. So I didn't need to fit into that dress. And um, after we went to the beach in May, I just kind of let the floodgates open. And I was eating anything and everything I wanted. It was Pop-Tarts, bagels, um, ice cream in the morning. And this was, a lot of this was influenced by the intuitive eating movement. Um, and I'm sure there's some listeners that, that have heard about that, but it's pretty much like you eat whatever you want, whatever your soul desires. Don't worry about your health. Just eat anything at any time. Good luck. And, um, Good luck. God yeah. bless you. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I, at the time, I mean, it sounded amazing, you know, oh, okay. So I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And all of a sudden I'm not going to have issues with my blood pressure or these chest pains anymore. Or any of my issues, they're all going to be solved because I'm being nourished by Reese's cup ice cream. Um, <laughs> 
I could intuitively and, uh, eat gallons and gallons of that ice cream. Like, give me a break. If, if you can moderate, like, yeah. amazing. But but I, that would never work for me. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, looking back, I'm like, well, that's a really silly idea. But at the time, I thought this was the answer. Um, this nothing, nothing else was working. Yeah. Or I, I thought I, I thought I had tried everything. So one, um, one really interesting thing that probably was a benefit, like when I used to work back at the gym, we would use metabolic carts to measure people's metabolic rates. And of course, if you did what okay. you actually did, which is crash your metabolism by burning too many calories and then, you know, not eating enough and going on calorie restricted diets, well, you would you your metabolism would drop severely. And one really uncomfortable, but great way to get your metabolism back is to throw in a bunch of calorie bombs and yeah, you're going to gain weight, but you can also start to increase your metabolic rate. And so I wonder if you noticed that effect as well, like maybe your body temperature was coming up or you felt your energy was a little bit better, even though you were gaining weight and it sucked and was uncomfortable. At least that would be one thing in my mind that would be at least improving is your body finally getting enough energy and enough calories combined with the rest that it's interesting to think about. Yeah. You know, now that you mentioned it initially, I did feel like I had more energy, um, like for lifting weights in the gym. And I felt like I had gotten out of that fight or flight. And cause I feel like that, that was just a constant and I did feel a little bit more relaxed initially. And then as time went on, and this is only like a three month span as time went on, and there was like no stop to it. Like I felt like my hunger signals got all over the place. Like I was waking up in the middle of the night to make like Hawaiian roll sandwiches and just, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I got, I didn't have any energy. I was just in the bed eating all day and I stopped working out and I think I gained like 30 pounds and just, and just three months. Um, Yeah. It, yeah, at least 30 pounds. Um, and my health started to take like a huge nosedive again. Um, and so, like I said, I was in bed all the time, just eating and watching TV. And one day a recommended video popped up of, um, it was, uh, someone's channel, I think his name is Farage or Spirier. And the title of the video was vegan, the epitome of malnourishment. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Anyways, I watched this video and for the first time it occurred to me that I did a lot of damage to my body by not having, um, these animal products that, veganism is really actually unhealthy because all that time before up to seeing that video, I had thought that, well, that's the ideal. That's the healthiest diet you can eat. And it's too bad. I couldn't stick to that. Um, from that video, I saw on his channel, he was doing interviews with ex vegans and this one interview, I feel like changed everything for me. It was a guy in his twenties that had been vegan. He was a runner and on the vegan diet, he had de developed hypertension and diabetes. Wow. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know that that was possible. Um, and you know, and I, and I started to dive into how can that be, how can that happen? 
And from there, I, um, YouTube is like, I don't know, an Oracle. They, (laughs) they recommended the low carb down under videos. And I completely binge watched that. And it was like months at a time. All I was doing was learning all about this, all about how low carb diets affect human physiology. And, um, from the low carb downer um, videos, I found Brian Linsky's podcast, Low Carb MD. And I, wa- I listened to all of those episodes. Like I, I love music and I had completely stopped listening to music, completely stopped watching anything fictional, fictional on TV. It was all about learning this and learning all about this. Um, and uh, so, so obviously I immediately went on a low carb diet um, because I, because I was hearing about people fixing like that guy on Sphere's video, he had fixed his diabetes, fixed his hypertension by doing something crazy called a carnivore diet. Um, so immediately I did go low carb and immediately my blood pressure got better. It was still elevated. It was like 130 over 85, but it was better. Much better. Yeah. Yeah. Much better. And I felt was feeling good. I felt like a normal person. Like I, like it was, it was like a veil slowly being lifted, um, from my eyes because things really started to change. Um, and so this is, that's like around August, 2020. Um, and I spent the rest of 2020 into like April, 2021, going lower carb by like April 21, I was more keto. I think the only thing in my diet other than meat was like coconut chocolate. Um, I had maybe some other things, but, but it was very, very few plant foods. And, um, so that June, 2021, I was driving my kids to North Carolina to spend some time with my mom and the entire trip, it's about a six hour drive. I did nothing but listen to the, um, meet our ex success stories. So back to back, I'm listening to these. And by the time I touched ground in North Carolina, I was like, that's it. I'm trying carnivore. This is the next step. I just, you know, I, I want to try it. Cause I, I, and the blood, the blood pressure had gotten better. The chest pains had eased some on a low carb diet, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't experiencing full remission of these things. Um, and so it was June 20th and I was like, that's it. I'm a carnivore now. I'm going to try this out. Three weeks from there, I got my first normal blood pressure reading. It was 117 over 75. And I was in disbelief. Um, and I, I thought, okay, well, it's, you know, this is like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, well, this is just a dip. You know, it's going to go back up. It can't, it just can't be that simple. Okay. But it was, it, it never, it never shot back up. And it was like this huge, like relief, but like, I was angry. Cause I was like, why didn't, why didn't, when I was in 11th grade, why wasn't the doctor like, well, your blood pressure is kind of elevated. Maybe you should cut out some carbs. 
this can help your, your situation. You know, why did I have to go through all these years, poorly controlled, high blood pressure, medication was ineffective, weight loss was ineffective, all this cardio was ineffective. And these are the things when you go online and you say, how can I lower my blood pressure? This is what they're recommending. Why is it not the first thing? Cut out your carbs. Yeah. So um, So dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and after those three weeks, I was like, okay, well, that's it. I'm carnivore now. If this is what I need to do to live. Then I'm going to do it. And I tell people it's like the, the grand scale of the, would you rather game? And my, would you rather is, would you rather live a healthy life or, and never be able to eat pizza again? Or would you rather like eat pizza and all these foods that actually don't make you feel good anyways, but die when you're like 35 and you know, you know, which one I'm choosing. So that was amazing. And then in the second month, that's when I experienced that because going carnivore, it was like, okay, well then I started to have a few days in between where I didn't feel any sensations in my chest, any chest pains. And then the second month, that's when it was like, oh, that's gone too. That's for real. You know, whatever, whatever was happening in here that had me absolutely terrified for my life, this is gone too. And it's all because I'm eating the most unhealthy, disgusting, slovenly food on earth. I'm eating meat. I'm eating meat and butter. And it's that simple. Um, and I, I wasn't even on social media for a while, but after seeing how great I was feeling and that I, I feel like I literally came back from the dead. I feel like I was dead before dead dying. I feel like I am literally back from the dead. And I remember just feeling like I'm living, like this is how people are supposed to feel. I'm alive. Um, and so I started an Instagram. So I was like, people need to know about this. Um, I've got to share this. And, um, because I needed to know this years ago. And so sharing my story, if there's somebody out there, which now I am getting messages on Instagram of people, young people like me that have had similar issues with their blood pressure, telling me that they tried this out because they heard it worked for me and it worked for them. I mean, that is absolutely priceless. It, it makes my whole, my whole day when I get a message like that. That's amazing. What an incredible story. Um, I've got a few things that I wanted to ask you about. The first thing, I just started with a new client who is eating a vegetarian diet. He's got certain goals that he's trying to, to fit. Classically, he's done a lot of exercise and a lot of dieting, but since he is vegetarian, he doesn't really want to talk about diet because he knows for sure that that diet is doing the best for him. So that's off the table of something that we can't even really talk about. And so I know how this is going to go. Like I'm teaching him strength training. He's been doing a lot of cardio. So we'll be able to build a little bit of muscle, but until that becomes, you know, part of the conversation of something we can talk about, I know we're going to be very limited on the results that we get. And the problem that occurred to me is that like, you're not even going to think that diet is part of why you're not getting good results. You just think that your parents have high cholesterol. And so you're eating vegetarian. So that box is checked and you don't need to worry about that for anything else. So it's such a bummer, right? Because that's off the table. You know, you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing the best thing. It's not 
not your diet that's causing the problem. It's maybe your genes. It's maybe something else. So, so I, I find, and it sounds like in your story, you were kind of thinking the same thing. Is like, well, at least I've got the diet down. This could be way yeah. worse if I was back on the you know diet soda and gummy worm diet. Which, by the way, you said you lost weight doing mm-hmm. that. Also, maybe you should brand that and, and pitch that as a diet. That might that might be a good uh, good way to earn some. Oh scratch. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so tough when somebody's eating vegetarian or vegan and they know that that part is working for them and, and that's not the problem. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I was definitely there. Like I remember, I mean, that was cause I, I wholeheartedly be- believed that's, that's the best I can do for my diet. I'm doing the absolute best. And I remember like just crying saying, why me? Why my genetics? And it wasn't the genetics. It was uh, absolutely the diet. Um, and I feel like it took me like hitting a really low place to want to change or really, really, like I said, it was, well, I don't want them to blame this on my perfect diet. So I'm going to eat meat. If I do die, you know, that's the reason, but I feel like a big, a, a really big, I I read the big fat surprise by Nina Teicholz. And I feel like the picture on it and possibly, yeah, yeah. The picture on it might dissuade a vegetarian from reading it. Yeah. That's, that's the one. Beautiful. Big old Um, rack of ribs on there. It looks delicious. Yeah. But that, that really illuminated a lot of things for me and really answered some questions for me about why eating meat and fat wasn't going to kill, kill me. Um, and actually she, she's got so much good information in that book. It's, it's amazing. Um, that was actually, I, I, I mentioned that mauve color of my blood and that book was the only place I ever got an answer for it. And I've never read any other book that mentions this, but she mentions that when the triglycerides are high, which I was able to look, go back and look at my um, blood work, that the blood can get so concentrated that it's a milky color. Yeah. And she talks about that and that the triglycerides are high because of a high carbohydrate diet which I definitely had at the time. That's all I ate. I was a carbivore. Um, and so I, I feel like with, with a client like that, the best way to go would just to encourage them to educate themselves, like not to, you know, not to suggest to them that they're wrong, but to really encourage them, learn about what's going on in your body and how foods affect our bodies. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I feel like someone, I, I would have been really resistant, but if somebody would have suggested, well, Hey, have you, maybe do you, are you into reading? This is a really good read or, you know, do some research. Cause there might be some new information you haven't come across yet. Yeah, that's right. No, that's a really good point. That book, the big fat surprise, I can't recommend it highly enough. I've between listening to it and reading it, I probably have gone through it at least 10 times and we've hosted Nina on the show. The first time we hosted her, I couldn't even make it through the introduction without getting choked up. Like I was got very emotional, like being able to like speak with her because she was so influential. But that book I've told her several times, your the, Nina's book doesn't read like a nutrition book. It's 
like it's a thriller. It's engaging. It's exciting. You're learning about all of these things that happened and this idea that saturated fat is bad for us, you realize is not based on science whatsoever. It was just kind of decided upon by quote unquote experts who was trying to do the best they could to figure out heart disease, but it was absolutely wrong. So we can't thank her enough for her work and her influence. It's just been absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. You mentioned something when you started Carnivore that I really appreciate, and you said things were more simple on Carnivore. So what what makes you say that, and in what ways were you making things simple for yourself to stay on a Carnivore diet? Yeah, so when I first started, because the only rule is, you know, eat meat, don't eat plants, right? So I just made sure that we had meat in the fridge all the time. And when it was time to eat, I just went and grabbed some meat and prepared it and ate it. Um, and another easy thing was just to buy a bunch of frozen burgers. Cause I knew I could eat burgers and just grill them up. And it, it was, it, the simplicity is you're really not having to think about what to eat. All you, you know, it's going to be meat and grab some meat and eat it. You don't have to think about counting calories or um, portion sizes. I feel like your body really regulates that for you. Um, you know, if, if you're only eating meat, yeah, no, I... it's, it's not like it's, yeah, it, it's not like um, sees ice cream where you can just, <laughs> <laughs> keep eating and eating and eating. Yeah, totally. No, we went to a Brazilian steakhouse over the weekend and we've told this story before. When we go to Brazilian steakhouses, it is, it is a massacre. Like we don't, we don't stand up. We don't go to the salad bar. We sit there and they bring us meat until we <laughs> can hardly lift a fork. And it, it's crazy to go into a Brazilian steakhouse thinking like, wow, I'm going to be here for like four or five hours. I'm going to eat everything. This is going to be amazing. But you get to this level of satiety and fullness relatively quickly where the food that is like in the beginning, so delicious and so tasty and hits the spot all of a sudden, it's almost like you can't even like hardly look at it anymore. I, I describe it as like an aversion. And that I think is a really good signal to the body mm -hmm. that you've gotten enough food, enough nutrients. You've really feasted when you got your calories and you've reached that point. And I think most people only understand like fullness. They understand like eating a salad and getting a little full in their stomach, but then being like starving in two hours and craving sugar like crazy. And that just doesn't happen when you're eating carnivore and allowing yourself to get yourself very full and sa and satiated. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I go to a Brazilian steakhouse, I'm always like, they are not ready for me. I, <laughs> cause I don't want any salad. I don't touch, you know, any, any of the stuff they put on the table. So I, it's funny cause I know they expect most people to explore the other options they have, but not me. And I, I really do have them, like, I'm like, keep it coming. But I do hit that point where it's like, okay, I'm done, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. They always, um, the, the, the waiters that know us now, they understand, but like in the beginning, especially with my wife, okay. my wife is asking for like the most rare piece of picanha that they have. And they're like, what? They're like asking for bigger pieces where they're just giving her like a little slice. They're like, no, 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 no. Come on. Give her, give her a good cut here. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that they would give you, cause I, I just figured I had to put up with the portions, but next time I'm going to say, yeah, I actually give me a larger sliver. I, 
Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to keep coming coming over here every every two seconds. Totally, totally. No, and I think they really appreciate that. So yeah, I would highly recommend that for you and our listeners. Um, I'm curious to know how your change in eating affected your family life. How did that affect you know your husband and your kiddos? I know family life is such a big priority for you. How did changing your diet impact them? I guess first I'll talk about my kids. So my, when my son was born, he's five now, when my son was born, I was still vegetarian. So meat was not one of his first foods. And after having two kids and bringing them up, I, I see now like anybody out there listening, your kid is going to love whatever their first foods are. That's what they're going to be, uh, drawn to and, um, have a taste for pretty much forever. Um, but, uh, my, so my son, I think his first foods were like peanut butter sandwiches, stuff like that. Really, really sad. Um, and vegetables, like carrots, peas, things I thought were healthy. And when I first started eating a lot of meat, um, he, he kind of had a, an aversion to it. He didn't want fat on his steak, um, And, you know, he just, he just didn't like a lot of meat, but I kept offering it, kept offering it. Now he's like the biggest meat eater. He loves steak. He asks for meat, you know, and, and his growth has really taken off since, um, since we've changed our diet and his, um, his, his, I guess, IQ intelligence. I feel like that's really improved also not that he was slow before but I felt like he was slower to learn than my daughter was and I believe that's because he just wasn't getting those um those nutrients uh that he needed when he was really young um and then my daughter she's eight now and um she when when she was first born i just didn't know much about healthy eating at all so like her first foods were like these these little crunchies they gerber cells that it's like baby food and you know i believed oh babies need these little crunchies they don't eat adult food but um so that that was like one of her first foods and she just ate a lot of processed foods early on until i went uh, vegetarian and it was mostly vegetables and um fruits and vegetables. So the, uh, people would look at my kids and be like, Oh, they're such healthy eaters. But most of but both of them were, were just really drawn to vegetables. Um, and they never, Zoe's never been a picky eater, but, um, now this girl can put away some steak. Like we were just, um, we were just out of town with family in Orlando and it was, uh, my mother-in-law's birthday celebration. And so we had the cousins there and, um, everybody together and they were just amazed. Like, wow, she just ate like three quarters of a pound of steak all by herself. I mean, it was a, a big chunk of steak to go into this little eight year old girl. And so she, she loves it. And, um, they, they both know the importance of healthy eating, um, eating meat. Um, and she always had like a really bad issue, like a skin condition. So she's not carnivore, but she eats mostly meat and that's gone away. It was like maybe psoriasis or eczema. Um, 
and that's not a thing for her anymore. Um, but she's growing like a weed and she's like, she's super tall for an eight-year-old, um, coming from a five, four mother and a five, nine father. Um, so I feel like the meat has definitely affected both of their growth. And I feel like they have a great foundation for if ever in life there, um, something's wrong. There's an illness. They will always know mama was really sick. And she just started eating meat, meat only, and she was healed. So they'll always take that with them wherever they go. Um, my son, it, he'll embarrass me sometimes. We'll be at the park and he'll go up to a random stranger and say, hey, you know, meat is really healthy. You should eat meat. <laughs> so people people are always like, oh, okay, little boy. All right. Um, and and other, other times, like an adult will say something about, oh, you better eat your spinach. And I can see my daughter like looking at me because she's like, what about the oxalates, <laughs> mama? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so amazing. they're, they're, yeah, they were both doing really good. And then for my husband, he goes through phases that he'll do carnivore, but, um, but the whole family is, uh, him and the kids are pretty much 90% carnivore. They do have other stuff. But I feel like our relationship, like it's, it's something different now. It's something different than it ever was. And I feel like it's because we both don't have like this carb haze to where we're ready to, you know, have a problem with something. Cause let's see, we've been together almost 15 years now. So since I was 15, I'm 28 now. And so being with someone that long, you know how to push their buttons. We don't push the buttons anymore. We just love each other other um and I and I do feel like that's that's I mean, somebody out there will be like what what's that got to do with eating meat and I feel like it's got everything to do with it because it wasn't it wasn't really like that before yeah, I could not agree more. That was the big surprising thing that shifted for me when I tried carnivore for the first time it was like the problems <sighs> You, you almost felt like there were less problems in life or 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 j just that you were on like a good streak of good things happening when in reality, it's the same life you were always having. It's just your reaction to everything it was much more chill. Like it was a lot less stress. It was easier to communicate. Things that were problems before were really not very big problems anymore. And I agree with you 100%. I think it's the meat. It, that's the only thing that shifted for me going from low carb to carnivore. And stressful things just weren't as stressful. And little you know, good things were even better and going on walks and enjoying the neighborhood and all those things just got so much better. So I totally agree with you. I think it is the meat a hundred percent. That's definitely what shifted for me. Um, I do want to talk to you about sharing your message. I think it's one thing to be so jacked up about something that you're listening to, you know, everything you can get on the subject. I do the same thing when I'm in my car. It, it really just sucks you in this topic of diet and carnivore. Like it, it's, it's easy to get obsessed over it, which I absolutely absolutely love. Um, and then I also think it, it would be, you know, something a little bit more challenging to put it up on social media and have an account that, you know, you're showing your pictures and before and afters and sharing stories. But I think it's a whole nother level to start a podcast. I really battled with a lot of imposter syndrome when I started this show. And for whatever reason, it just seems like a podcast, you're really throwing yourself out there. Was that very difficult for you to decide to do? Yes. <laughs> Because I, I feel like I got like a late start in life. Like I, when I was younger, I just didn't take my life 
seriously and I've never been somebody that, you know, I feel like is somebody in the world. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I've told the story before, but right around the time of my carnivory. So one year being carnivores this past June, and I was really excited about us, excited about it. And, um, we were on this long hike as a family. It was a lot longer than we anticipated. It was a new trail and we didn't realize it was going to be like seven miles and take all these hours to complete with the kids. Um, and you know, being out in the wilderness like that, no phones or anything, you know, you really start to talk and your imaginations are going. And my daughter for a few months, cause I'm always listening to podcasts in the car, wherever we're going, mama's listening to podcasts. And she's always been saying, mama, when are you going to have a podcast? And I didn't want to say, say these things to her. Like, well, I feel like I'm not really worthy of that. I don't feel like, you know, I'm that type of person, but she was, she's been persistent. Like, when are you going to have a podcast? And it was actually her idea because I was talking about, it's my carniversary and I got to do something special on this hike. And she's like, mama, you know, for your carniversary, you should start a podcast. You should start carnivore stories. This was all her idea. Um, and yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, I started believing in myself a little bit, especially, you know, with her encouraging me out there and, it was really cute, a really special moment. Me and her had like a mock carnivore stories episode. And, you know, I was the host and I was acting like I was asking her questions about what kind of meat she eats and all this. And uh, leaving that hike, I was like, okay, that's it. On June 20th, I'm going to release the first episode. I'll tell my story um, in its entirety the best I can. And I'll start reaching out to people and see if they'll talk to me on zoom. And so, yeah, that's, that was it. And I, and I didn't have a bunch of money to get this going. So it was really just like the bare minimum, like what, what do I need to do to talk to somebody and put it out on, you know, uh, the internet for the world to enjoy and learn from. Well, enjoy and learn from are really good words to use. I find your podcast very enjoyable. In the last conversation that you just released, your guest said kind of the same thing that I was thinking. Like, I just went through and listened to every episode. And I've listened to every one of your episodes. And it's so cool to go back and see some familiar names, people we've hosted on this show, like Nikki Krendel and Michelle Hearn. These people you've like looked up to for so long and like you could actually have a conversation with them. It's just so amazing and so special. Why did you want to focus on the stories aspect of carnivore versus, you know, getting more into like the science part of it. Why were stories so important to you? Yeah. So I guess two big reasons. One is because I feel like the stories are so, so powerful. I mean, that's what, what pushed me over the edge that I was like, okay, I'm going to try this to hear those stories of people having success and not dying because they're eating all the saturated fat is, was really convincing to me that, okay, I can try it. And I want to see if it has similar results to me. Maybe I'll have one of these amazing success stories also. Um, and to, you know, I guess the second, second reason was 
to hear from everyday people. Like you don't have to have a PhD or, you know, gone to school for all these years or traveled all these places and talked to all these people to apply this to your life and have these amazing results. So I really wanted to have mostly everyday people on the show um, talking about how they carnivore and how it's affected their life. I want, I want the everyday people to come and listen to this and make their lives wonderful and heal all their health issues too. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love both aspects, hearing from experts and top researchers and people like Nina Teicholz and also hearing about, you know, just everyday people that that found this way of life and really improved themselves. And they get so excited and just want to share with everybody. And so I love that you've taken that approach. Yeah. Um, I would have a very difficult time with this question if you asked me. So I'm going to ask you um, a very difficult question, which is what is what is a standout story that you're thinking of right now from your podcast that you would like to share maybe something from one of your guests you know i've got to say i'm so sorry <laughs> you're fine it's a really tough question i understand i'm having trouble because there's so many names in my head but her instagram is carnivore minds and her story is that she had ms um she was obese. She had a, uh, I think it's borderline personality disorder. And she's coming from a standard American diet and she's at rock bottom. And, uh, she starts eating meat and these things completely leave her life. And, uh, she, she ended up going into a raw diet because conventional meat wasn't working for her anymore. Raw diet, like from a farm, conventional meat wasn't working for her anymore. And, um, and just to see her thrive and that she's touching lives now too. And, and, uh, she's got, she's got a food addiction support group and, um, that how, how meat changed her life that I feel like, I feel like it's a, really encouraging this to see her against all odds. She didn't give up. She didn't give up when she thought that meat stopped working for her. Um, she just found how meat would work for her and, and that all the lesions from the MS completely disappeared. Um, and nothing was, a, nothing, none of those things were an issue for her anymore. Wow. Um, I feel I feel terrible that her name is escaping me. And I know once I get off this podcast, I'm like, that's, that's her name. And, but, but if anyone wants to look for her carnivore minds on Instagram and I believe she's, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember that interview and that was very powerful. I remember following her after I heard her on your show and yeah, I've seen up close and personal. We've got somebody that lives here in the neighborhood who has MS and she went carnivore three or four years ago and she's coming back with clean scans. Like she's really completely reversed it, which is blowing the minds of her doctors. And it's just so inspiring to hear stories like that. And I'm so glad that you're out there so excited about, you know, your own personal story and your recovery of health, but also the health of so many other people 
people out there and so many people who can then hear those stories and really be inspired and change their own health. So I'm just so grateful for you and everything that you've had to go through. I'm certainly sorry that you went through everything that you did, but I'm glad that now you're on the other side of it and now you're sharing it with other people and it's really, truly helping other people. It's just absolutely amazing. Alyssa, where do you want people to go to find you and connect with you in your work? Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, it's meet, M-E-A-T, Mrs. M-R-S Grubbs, G-R-U-B-S. And uh, so, yeah, you can find me on there, message me on there. I've also got a YouTube channel. It's Alyssa Grubner. If you want to take a peek into my life and stuff I'm up to, Um and yeah, I, I've also got a fitness, fitness related page. It's unity underscore fit. So check that out too. Awesome. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Like I said, Alyssa, thank you so very much for everything that you've had to go through. And thank you for taking the time and energy to make your own podcast and to also come onto ours today. It's such an amazing and inspirational story. And we're so grateful for you. So thank you so very much for taking the time to do this today. We're really grateful for you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was such an honor. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long-form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Balanced Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Balanced Body Radio.